This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Steiskel. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Ryan, are you enjoying that expired Budweiser? <laughs> I, I, as I was just telling the guys, um, I pulled out a two-year-old expired Budweiser that an, a former co-worker gave me. I never willingly buy this. Nothing against the Budweiser people. It's just not my beer. Um, it's not bad. Who just like gifts you a the, Budweiser, though? I mean, again, no offense, I guess. A person who also gave me a fine, ride home like finding at the a end bullet of the... in your mailbox. I mean, that's not a gift. <laughs> well, he also gave me oh, a that'd Bud be a Light. Coors Light. Bud... Oh, okay, because that makes it totally better. <laughs> the the Bud Light is is the bullet in the mailbox. The Budweiser is just like a softer bullet in the mailbox, it's like a rubber bullet. Yeah, but um crowd control it's i'm gonna give this to budweiser it it ages surprisingly well like it, this this expires september 4th uh 2017 That's a clever business play of that it never tasted good in the first place that it goes way after right. no, i'm just kidding I, bud's not that bad. What are, well what are i you? just got done drinking a miller high life followed by a schlitz and now i'm like this review does not fucking deserve my last milk stout nitro hey so Time with us always deserves Budweiser. <laughs> right. Eric, what are you drinking? No. Um, I am. I you didn't ask last show when I was actually drinking something decent, but now I am drinking a uh, Corona Premier and have another one on deck, which is the. Um, if you're not aware, the. Uh, it's the Premier of beers. It is like the MGD sixty four <laughs> um, version of corona so the like super low calorie it's it's pretty much like what beer flavored water so man you drink m64 don't you i do i drink miller 64 tonight i'm not tonight i've been drinking um tomatin highland single malt scotch um is there an abbreviation for that (laughs) just tomatin but it's it's actually it's 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 kind of a, a mid to low shelf it's not like clan mcgregor or anything it's not like the ten dollar <laughs> giant half gallon of scotch but it's I went through uh, all four years of college with a bottle of that in my cabinet and yep no i yep, probably yep. didn't listen it's, you know what I, I i usually keep some around too just in case of emergencies but no nah, i've been enjoying you know what joe i'm not i'm not gonna judge you because my stepdad drinks kessler's with diet 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 seven up. of course somebody's drinking kessler's. diet seven up in kessler's though who are you fucking fooling with the diet? No, I had a friend in grad like, school. Like, why do you have to make it fucking worse? I had a friend in grad I mean, school who'd mix vodka. Why get all vodka. those extra, extra sugar, you know? I had a friend in grad school who'd drink vodka and Mountain Dew, and she'd act like it was a classy drink. We're like, no, that's just shit and shit. Because it was like bottom shelf, well, <laughs> vodka, and Mountain Dew. And she's like, it's actually quite a good drink. I'm like, don't call it a drink. It's not a drink. You're just mixing shit. You're so, doing like junior high you just shit. Fight, right like, what, what do I got in my fridge that I can mix with this yeah. cheap as, gallon of vodka I friend, just bought? As my friend David, and he knows if he's listening, I know he's listening on this podcast. Hi, David. Um, and I know like five different fucking Davids, but this David knows who I'm talking about. Like he once said, when you combine Coke with beer, you're just adding water when you add water to mud you're just making more mud and that sounds like the equivalent the mountain dew to the shit vodka well and, and i but also we're talking that about sounds like a dangerous combination of a sugar crash and just blood poisoning. but the funny thing about it is she would order that at a bar it's not just like what was in her fridge she would order it at a bar well fuck her it, it, yeah that's, that's and, and and we would yeah, bartender should have said no no <laughs> that's like no. that's like the equivalent of ordering ipecat it's like, do you want to throw up? You're gonna throw up. Yeah, because you're gonna throw up. Well, right. you know, and, and if you don't I, throw up, you should throw up. 
I have a friend hey, you that know legitimately just... enjoys Malort and drinks it for pleasure. So I man. know someone like that too, and I've tried it once, and I was like, no. Yeah, I can't even spell Malort. Oh my or say god, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like taking a shot of garbage water that was predominantly fermented rotting grapefruit. Yeah, um, somebody described it perfectly when they said that it tastes exactly like burnt condoms filled with gasoline so um <coughs> oh god I mean, if you oh have god. a taste of it you'll be like oh god they were right like <laughs> and i don't even know what that tastes like but it's one of those things where you just know when you're trying, but, like yeah okay that's the flavor but here's the thing isn't isn't condoms made of like yeah it's, it's, it, it has mind. like a burnt rubber flavor to it burnt rubber is just like you didn't need to actually have to say the condom part unless they meant used condom that that could be yeah, it I mean, like I guess burnt, like a used condom be, and gasoline. Uh... Because I was gonna say the rubber and the gasoline part. I'm like, that's the same taste. Come on, we all tried the two. So anyway, no? tonight okay, we're gonna let's be talking. Review our dark half. Yeah. <laughs> tonight we're going to be reviewing after that detour down what the fuck. <laughs> Great alley. segue. That's um, a class A segue. We're gonna be continuing our that. discussion on uh, kind of '90s films, especially early '90s films that deal with uh, split personality, so kind of like psychological horror thriller. Um, with the 1993 American horror George A. Romero and Stephen King collaboration, The Dark Half. Thad Beaumont has a secret. I know all about it. A piece of himself he keeps hidden. You just don't want to give up George. You become attached to him. Locked away until he needs it. These behaviors could be interpreted as schizophrenia. Away from the light, safe in the shadows. I wrote those words, and I have no recollection of doing it. But sometimes, secrets take on a life of their own. Thad Beaumont thought he didn't need George Stark anymore. The American way of death. That's it. He served his purpose. Time to lay him to rest. But George is not about to go quietly. You really don't realize what you like when you write those books, do you? It's like watching Jekyll turn into Hyde. We're here to question you in connection with the capital crime. Evidence says you did it. George Stark has somehow come to life. Hello, George. I've come closer to believing a ghost story than this. You're talking about a man who never was. No! He wants to take over your life. Can't you see that? Based upon a book by Stephen King comes George A. Romero's masterful vision of a nightmare come true. Are you ready? Just waiting on you. The Dark Half. I don't know. I mean, so this one stars Timothy Hutton, um, uh, Amy Madigan, Michael Rooker, and also Royal Dano, his last film, Royal Dano. Yep. Um, yep. And Which one the, was he? So the basic plot of this one is Timothy Hutton plays uh, an author named Thad Beaumont, who also writes under a pseudonym of George Stark. And the material he writes under George Stark is this very popular, lurid, pulp, uber-violent kind of thriller stories. Um but he's trying it's to smutty. it's real smutty and he's smutty trying thrillers. to to make his name yeah. as his own under his own name which is a very different style of writing uh, and he decides that he's going to kind of kill off George Stark and and kind of use that fame to boost his own his purse his actual career of what he really wants to write and the the cool thing about this is really paralleling Stephen King himself, who wrote under the name Richard Bachman for a number of years. Yeah. And if you read the Bachman books and Stephen King, they are a bit different. Uh, there is a bit of a different writing style there. Um, yeah, I don't think he wrote, he was writing the kind of like trash no, that, he, no, that no, George no, Stark no. is writing in this movie. But yes, there are, Bachman and Stephen King have a very different yeah. and, uh, style. So as, as the yeah, plot progresses, that... George Stark manifests into his own entity and uh and so you get to see this dichotomy between like a person whose split personality manifests itself not really split personality but in a way split personality manifests itself and, and yeah this is the other uh, personality the... becomes a, a person it's a, mani- it's a physical manifestation of the darker half right, the pseudonym right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so this is the second i believe just the second collaboration between stephen king and george romero the first being creep show mm-hmm. um which is i i uh, way better. I haven't seen it, but I already know it's way better. 
Creep show. Well, it's an better. anthology. It's an but, anthology, but but yeah, I think this has its merits anyway. The performances. I, in this I movie don't deny good. that. Actually, I will say that this this movie does have its merits with its it, certain visuals. I actually but... haven't. Being a big fan of George Romero, I've seen all of his films. This is only the I believe the second time I've ever seen this movie. I don't know why I didn't revisit this one um, as often as some of the I can others. Tell you why. But it's it's very different from some of his other stuff, and uh, I think that's kind of why some people are kind of down on it. And I think I actually enjoyed it more this time um, because I, I didn't go in with the expectations. I, I knew what I was getting into because I'd seen it before. So let's see, you say that, but this is the first time I've seen this movie. And I know it says that, you know, good old Georgie boy directed this movie. And I'm like, Oh cool. George, he, he fucking did this. But after watching it, I forgot that Romero was even part of this film until at the very end um that actually no let me go back on that it's i do forget that he's part of this film until i see the end credits again like oh yeah this was his film but when i remember back to the strong parts of this movie which are the the kind of like disturbing imagery when it comes to the darker half like the eyeball and the brain and the last fucking act of the movie then i'm like yeah that's romero but the majority Um, of it's kind of i don't know romero's got some stuff that's really not horror i mean he, he's got yeah. things like night night writers and so on that he has a style beyond just grotesque visual horror in fact even night the living well, dead itself isn't that graphic i mean it wasn't right. for the no, time should, but let me let me let me clarify that one like yes he does and it is those parts that i'm thinking of that he does have this like it is gory that i'm i'm listing to be fair but the way he, he does it is, I will say it was the most effective part for me where it does like, he does have that language with gore that's not just gore for the sake of gore, but it's done in such a way that it really creeps into your brain. <laughs> Actually, with the one scene I'm thinking of, the literally, brain. Yeah. where, you have, it's where you have a fucking eyeball, a fu- a, a, not just an eyeball, but a dead, like like a glassy iris eyeball just looking around inside this kid's brain like in the first 10 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. and it's just like that i'm like oh this movie's probably going to be actually better than i think and i don't see that again until the final act where you have that same level of imagery with with the dark half his dark half having this decayed nature to him and even well, in the final scene i think it's but it's it's absent oh i think it's an interesting script romero wrote the script as well and um I think it's an interesting script of his because it is much more interested in being a psychological thriller than it is in being a horror film. Like it doesn't have like the shock and value. Like he's he's more interested in actually exploring this concept of you know the dark half. And um, however, I, mean... I think he doesn't he he purposely and I, I I've not read the the Stephen King novel. I don't know how Stephen King tends to you know dot his eyes and cross his t's when it comes to explanations, sometimes to his detriment. Oh, excuse me, but the um, George Romero leaves this whole phenomenon of what's going on in the story a little bit open ended. Like it's never really like really explained like how it was possible for George Stark to manifest himself. It's just kind of like, okay, we're going to use this as a way to explore, you know, the the they, two parts of the human psyche. They do say it though. Um, I, yes and no. Like, like, what what did you understand to be like the the quote unquote cause he, of the? He, I mean, he was okay, a he was so, an undeveloped twin, but that but that part of him was he, removed yeah. and buried and and such and such. <laughs> he, Joe, Eric, you asked me the question, then you answered it. Yeah, but sorry. no, that was it. Like he, <laughs> um, that's fine. That's fine. I I'll just fucking reset it but no that was the part where they kind and it's it's done so quickly you don't even realize that it's done but i was so intrigued by the yes the main character has this undeveloped twin that he absorbs and but the movie fucking says like oh yeah that's a common occurrence i'm like no it's not it's not that common <laughs> but he makes it sound like it's something that we all do anyway yeah. side note sorry side side note what, what i what i meant um, is like I, so he has an undeveloped twin uh 
And when they find out, like, oh, hey, my son has these seizures, and it's in the first part of the movie. Mm. He has these seizures. They find this tumor. They do this operation. And when they look at it, which I have to say is the funniest fucking scene for two reasons. One, I think the uh, the, the, the effect is when they show the brain, they show the eyeball. And it's so it, – it, it's it, that's the first visual. I'm like, this is really fucking – like, it's getting to me. Like, it's very in its time. But it's like, this is kind of cool. This is very cool, I think. And it's a dead-looking eye just moving around, which is crazy. It fucks with your head. It fucked with my head a little bit. I'm like, this is... I'm ready for this. But it's instantly followed with a doctor like, Oh, hey, look, there's an eyeball. Oh, and a fingernail. And a tooth with a cavity in it. And the the nurse is freaking out, but the doctor's just fine. As this, this is a normal fucking thing. I did thing. notice the nurse freaking like, out. Of course, he's a fucking doctor from Castle Rock. The, the, nurse, the nurse freaking out was a bit funny because she's like, on the other side of the room, and she's screaming at everything. And that is something I noticed <laughs> in this viewing. I'm like, why the hell is she in there in the first place? Like, nurse, you know, compose yourself. And I'm like, I... Is this literally her first day? And by first day, I mean you grabbed her off the street, put her in a candy striper costume, <laughs> said, here you go, stand there. And she's just like, See, oh my God, there's stuff in here. I mean, it, it was a little no, much. No, you're right. But... You're right. But at the same degree, you have the doctor who is casually okay with a functioning eyeball in a 10-year-old's brain. Like, well, and I think that's that was, Lovecraftian. That, I think, that's very Lovecraftian. I think that was meant as a way of kind of saying, "This is something that, you know, to to a medical professional, they have heard about or read about before, and maybe there's a few bizarre things about it, but nothing beyond, you know, the realm what, of yeah. the realm of possibilities in medical science." So they're like, "Okay, well, yeah." But that's what I'm. And okay, so, okay. And so that it makes the manifestation part even more striking later on. Well, no, I think it actually underplays it with he's just like when he acts like it's normal, I think it underplayed like the bizarre nature that it should have been. He's like, oh, there's a function in eye, but he doesn't have like a deeper emotion, re- emotional reaction. I found it more comical. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's where fine. I'm I, I think it's, if they would it's have, way more comical. If they would have had a big reaction out of the doctor, then that would have meant that Thad had a big reaction as a kid, and it would have been something that stayed with him for such a long time. And and as an adult, he's pretty much forgotten about that. He do, no, he doesn't even know it. Yeah. He doesn't even know it. Right. So yeah, it's, it's been because forgotten. That's the, he learns about it later go, from the doctor. Because yeah, to go back at it, like that's that's where Eric was asking the question. And the right. Answer. So that's why I think that's that, why they did the whole that, like downplay the, the manifestation. It the they didn't make a big deal about it in the beginning because it was, then you have a reveal at the end for, for, I don't think, that. yeah. Otherwise, because if it was, was a big thing, well. it'd be like the mom would be freaking out and he'd be freaking out. Everybody would be freaking out. And that's, that'd be like trauma inducing. <laughs> well, no, see, that's the thing. Like, cause that's the thing with this. Like they, like he later on, he finds out that his parents, um, buried, those parts right. they're like oh well we treated it like a living human being which is and we weird buried it. and that's, that's weird that's meant yeah. well, it's not that weird it makes sense for people but who no like, there are certainly who, people that would act that way with something yeah like but that. that's the and, thing i'm saying like, if they would have shown <laughs> yeah. if they would have shown earlier in the movie if they would have shown that scene earlier in the movie where you have like this wooden box of some kind and the parents are just burying it but there's no explanation then that would have been like this cool little like hint to things to come but instead it's kind of just thrown away like oh yeah by the way we found this like eyeball in your fucking brain like this is like near the end of the second act at the beginning of the uh, third act kind of area where he's like now he learns about oh yeah and your parents uh buried it and that's kind of where it's hinted like oh that's where his second his darker half manifested because the second half in 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 that movie emerges from the ground and they don't know really why they don't really dwell on it but that's what i mean this is where that movie's kind of this movie's kind of fails in its in its ability to like really go towards the paranormal because this isn't just some split personality this is an actual physical manifestation of a of a dark side and, and that would have been a great moment to build up this supernatural suspense that both like that's one Stephen and, King's really good at, and two George Romero would have fucking been great at, and but they don't do that. That's he kind of what I was alluding with, to with the the being kind of ambiguous with like the the cause of what could actually you know cause it to manifest or that that whole paranormal aspect of it. It's kind of left 
I, I, yeah, like I wasn't really talking about the twin aspect. Like that's all explained, you know, in the beginning of the film. But the, the you know, yeah. what actually causes the split, and then uh, what causes you know Stark to be able to manifest himself from this small bit of tissue into a human being that's going to, you know, be able to walk and the, around and the and, sparrows and threaten the yeah and the sparrows. Well, it, it, it kind of makes it so, kind of hint that he's like this dark soul that escaped from hell and found a body you know in, in like a, in a weird personal way which i thought was really cool there's a lot of cool i don't know it's one of those movies honestly with you guys like at first seeing it i thought it was a stupid movie um with some cool parts but now reviewing it at this point like a few days later and thinking about it i'm like oh wow that movie had way better potential and really fucked it up i mean i like the I, I i really always this isn't the first time i saw this one um yeah it's I mean, been a while since i've seen it and I own it, but it's just been a while since I've seen it. Um, I really kind of liked, well, knowing the 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 real life inspiration for it was like this. He wrote this around the time he was, you know, kind of it was coming out that he was George Bachman or, or not George Bachman, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Bachman Robert and so on. Richard, yeah, yeah and, and yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and you know, kind of killed off Richard Bachman and stuff like that, technically, but not exactly. Yeah. This wasn't like an these absolute, little pieces of. There's little pieces of reality into it, and it kind of gave it a little bit of an extra creep factor. But just the whole idea of when 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 Beaumont is writing as George Stark, he's got all of these things. Right, he only writes with you know Ticonderoga pencils, and Mm -hmm. his wife complains that yeah, whenever you write that, you drink, you smoke, and you're an asshole. And I love it when you're not writing as George Stark because then you're you, you know. <laughs> and so right away, and and we all kind of, I said we all, but people do that sometimes. There's certain hobbies or things that they get into, and it 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 engrosses them. And in this case, it's that's not beyond the realm of of possibility to even imagine that when somebody is writing as somebody, kind of like acting, right? You're you're taking on a care. We hear about this all the time with actors when they're in a certain role, you know, their spouse will be like, Oh yeah, they were a total pain in the ass to deal with during that time. Cause they were so into character. Well, if you're <laughs> writing as somebody who's very different than yourself, you're going to take on those characteristics during that time. And so this mm-hmm. it's, it's not that far of a, of a storytelling jump to say, yeah, but what if that side of you became a thing? And so I really loved the story of this. And I know it's based on, on King's novel, but I and I haven't read the book either. It's on my reading list since I've been going through all these other Stephen King books. Um, yeah, but I really like this one uh, personally. I and it's not like an iconic Romero film. It's it's no. In have, fact, it doesn't have his really good like, especially the commercial stamp on it that a lot of his stuff does. But yeah, his style in this like, I feel like this is probably the most this and Monkey Shines perhaps probably the most generic he but, ever was like i that's the thing like i want to because joe just mentioned the book thing and i want to mention this before it gets gone the book ends differently um and probably in a better way i didn't read the book but i did read uh some, some synopsis like, some yeah about these uh, about this book because i want to know i want to know the difference and the book ends don't tell in me a very like <laughs> yeah don't tell me but okay yeah. I was just going to say, but it ends in a way that makes you, that makes the characters around the main character question, like, why did that happen in the first place? It makes them question their relationship with the main character. Ah, okay. Like, okay, cool. So it ends in a, in a deeper way, and George is smarter than that, so it makes me wonder, like, like, that's, that's where I'm at with this movie. Like, that's why I'm kind of angry with it, well... and hence the passion out of it, is because you have what should be better than what we actually got because let's be honest i i i feel like you guys have a better view of this movie than i like a positive view of it i generally like it it's not one of my favorite romero films but it's like this could this should have been better it's not it could have been it should have been better than what we what i fucking watched i i think an important thing to remember too is that again this came out in 93 um and so in the 90s, there were a lot of Stephen King adaptations coming out, and none of them are good. I mean, let's be yeah, honest. That's what I mean. It that's feels like that. It and, feels and like another I think Stephen King We're now movie. seeing a new resurgence in Stephen King properties being developed. And quality's better. They're getting a little bit more artistic with it. Um, I mean, one, one of my, I don't want to say criticisms, one of my observations about this film 
is that it always reminded me of Pet Cemetery, and it has nothing to do with Pet Cemetery. The just the it's the time it came out came out within a yeah. few years of Pet Cemetery. Um, it has that same kind of late '80s, early '90s Stephen King movie vibe to it, where everything does feel a little bit staged and cardboard set type thing. You know, like I would put this Pet Cemetery thinner. There's a number of other ones that all kind of like you could tell, oh, this is a 90s Stephen King movie without really finishing the film. You could show like five minutes of it and get that feel. Um, This is one I would love to see remade today. I would love to see this one remade. I think the story is strong in this one. Um, Well, and maybe this isn't the best film adaptation, but I would love to see it done. Well, I want to say to that, like, I actually kind of felt like this was a cop-out movie in terms of, like, of a whodunit kind of cheap suspense. Um, because it, he, the movie, in its, the middle of the movie kind of tries to play this idea, like, is the main character actually committing these murders? Uh, is he not? And it, and it does it in such a weird way where... Not by a weird way. It does it kind of in a lazy way. Where it's like, I've seen these in other TV drama movies. Like, I, I'm i legitly wondering, is was this movie a fucking theatric re- theatrical release? Because I feel like it's a TV movie. Because I don't think it's that good. And I... That's me. That's really... <laughs> that's been most of me in this review, I've realized. <laughs> is very passionate and emotional about it. And I'm very sorry about that, guys. To everyone listening to this. It's just one of those things... I didn't even expect to be, but it's, it's like, I feel like it's just not that good as it should have been. And I, I, I feel like because it's like, well, it has Stephen King and Romero in it, you know, it should be, it's probably, it's not as bad, right? But I feel like, uh, it's just not good. It's not good. Like if you took away those names, I wouldn't have known that these guys were part of it. I don't feel like it's a Romero movie. I don't feel like it's a King novel. Um, except for, and I keep saying this, the final act is just dead on. The final fucking act is definitely those two people. And I'm like wondering for the fucking life of me, why is it only the final act in that one scene with the fucking eyeball on the brain that I feel like this and nowhere else, nowhere else in the movie. Let's talk about the final act and that's, um, quickly. And that's going to bring up Timothy Hutton and his performance in the film as two sides of the same personality so he's playing you know tim or thad beaumont and uh george stark what'd you guys think of his the best performance of- the best performance of those two characters where i keep forgetting that they're the same fucking actor yeah yeah i'll be honest oh, with yep. you. he's that excellent final act is he's yeah excellent. i was gonna excellent say that i really that thought he was final great act yeah and the like when he the showdown at the end is himself. what you're talking about when they sit down to to write the new the new George Stark at the end, right? Oh my god, it's so yes. Like just when they finally meet each other is like the most because he's not good in this movie, guys. He's not good in either role by himself in in the scenes throughout the movie. I thought I I don't think he's the worst fucking thing. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's the most memorable. But when he's in the final act and he's acting against himself in the way that it's shot, the way that it's done, it's way that it's acted, I was actually finally immersed in this movie. Hence the passion. I'm like, wow, this movie could have been better. When I started it and got halfway through it and I was just like, I don't give a rat's ass about this film. I don't care. But when I got to the final act, I was like, holy shit, I see what this movie could have been. It was not this throughout the whole movie. He was great in that final scene where he's playing himself and the dark half. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think. I, I... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was yeah. just gonna say, like, I I really enjoyed his performances in in both roles. Um, again, I'm trying to remember this. Like, you know, this is the way everybody acted in the '90s. So, you know, it, yeah, there is it, that. It, it works. Yeah. So, like, I have to I have to kind of like remember that. Like, this is this is the acting style of the '90s. And you know, it in Timothy Hutton's defense, just as an actor himself, he he's been the guy's still active, and he's still yeah. He's still, uh, you know, starring in films. He was just recently in um, the the Netflix series, Haunting The Haunting of Hill House, and he was very yeah, I'm good actually, in that. We're working our way um, through that now, so you yeah. know. And he's he was in the Jack Ryan series in uh, on on Amazon Prime. So he's he's been doing a lot of stuff too. And I mean, really, Falcon and the Snowman, one of his earlier film roles, um, 
you know, which which he got a lot of attention for. That really was kind of the movie that he won an Oscar, didn't he? For, he I think he yeah. did, and I know yeah. the Ordinary People was his first big film role. Maybe he won an uh, Oscar for that. He won an he Oscar did. as a young actor. He like, won an he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in Ordinary People in 1980, and yeah, okay. and that is a an incredible powerful film if any if you've never seen it so i mean the guy the guy's got some acting chops here and you know maybe maybe it was the material mixed with the style of the director and the style of film they were making I, that wasn't everybody's cup of tea that's fine but i honestly I think just he was played pretty two so fantastic roles in, in this i really enjoyed it yeah i when when george stark as a character first showed up i thought maybe i, I kind of had that that reaction to it like you had to to lithgow's uh in, in raising cane his different personalities and I, I thought oh maybe he's trying a little too hard but he settles into it and once you get an understanding of what he's doing with both the roles i think he's great with both of them and when and ryan's right it really is fireworks when they sit down yeah. together um and yeah i be that's i that's some of the best like same same actor playing same character slash you know Jekyll Hyde kind of thing I I probably ever seen like he did a really incredible job with that scene at least like it's yeah um, it's great there's also in the climax of the film um since we're talking mainly <laughs> about that but there's a some fantastic special effects there's not a lot of special effects in this film um that fucking sparrow but I scene love the sparrow scene so, at the end like that it's is just so like, well done yeah the just the way they pick him apart at the yeah uh, it's like, horrifying yeah I, I can't it is. I'm not good with gore and I've stated that several times and that that scene still fucking it's not like the worst thing I've ever fucking seen don't get me wrong it's not like the most but it is just like I couldn't help but like give it credit for like yep that's Romero right there like that that level yeah. of like there's the, bits the, of taking a part of the, the, the it's slow there's bits it's of romero that slow. show through in this film and that's uh, i there's a couple of really phenomenal dream sequences that remind me of some of his early more stylistic uh filmmaking um there's some really great lines in his scripts that just scream like even in the script they just scream romero and i have to give my tip my hat to george romero's lines and i don't know what to call it but they're like the redneck characters or like the townie characters in his uh his scripts always have these like really memorable, hilarious lines. And this one, I mean, the most famous one obviously is the night of the living dead. Um, you know, they're dead. They're all messed up line. Um, but this one has a good one in one of the, the deputy when talking to Michael Rooker, by the way, is plays a, a good guy in this movie. We yeah. Which is that. weird. It's so weird. It's <laughs> talking to Michael Rooker and he asks, uh, about the i think it was when the photographer was killed he asks is, is he dead and he goes oh yeah he's deader than squash deader than a squashed coon and like i'm just yeah. like oh yeah man. i know what you're that is talking like, about that's a, yeah i that's laughed a at that romero yeah. line there for like i guess they call it his townie lines but i swear all of his scripts have like that something like that that's just this quotable deader than a squashed right coon yeah. so like, and that's such uh, like a small town way i mean that's like yeah. My 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 grandfather used to say stuff like that. You know, he used to say like yeah. somebody. He, I remember just a line he used to say one time. He was like, "Ah, that person's dumber than owl shit," which is <laughs> what. what? The fuck? <laughs> but you That's get the one. point. You know, dumber than owl shit. Or he once described oh. diarrhea as being able to shit through a screen and never touch wire. <laughs> oh my fucking god. <laughs> yeah small that's, town that's genius that's, that's, that's yeah yeah like, um wasn't in, it wasn't in new england but i damn near grew town. up in a stephen king movie um yeah but okay you guys but, say you yeah, guys so, say small town but there was actually a this is a side note but there's a co-worker i had in milwaukee in the city who once i laughed really hard at something he goes that really tickled your soul didn't it and i swear to god to this day kevin if you ever listen to these podcasts that is the greatest fucking line I've ever heard, and I use it to this day because that really tickled your soul is the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. Uh, and I grew up in a small-ass town it's so of, like, uncomfortable. So. Oh, my God. If somebody said that to me, I'd just, like, cringe, like, ah, I don't know what to do. It made me laugh harder. Stop tickling like, it, my it soul, really... please. <laughs> See, you guys... 
that's your guys' fault. Because you suggest movies like these, that's where you guys went. For me, it's just like, yeah, you's right. That really deeply made me laugh. When it deeply makes you laugh, it tickled your soul. Yeah, it no, made you laugh in another world. Well, so I guess so, the question you, I guess the question is, Ryan, did, did this Sorry. one tickle your soul? <laughs> this one uh, violated my, my astro sphincter. No, I'm, that's that's <laughs> oh. dramatic. I just wanted to make another one. Um, <laughs> no, it disappointed me to be honest. Like I said, when I I didn't even fucking think about this movie when I was watching it. I didn't care. And then I saw the final act. And I'm like, oh okay. And then now looking back at it, I'm actually kind of angry and disappointed that it's like this should have been better. Um, you guys definitely sound like it's like, yeah, we like it. We own it. You guys own it. I, they had to share it with me. Well, part I of that is because it's like, it it's a George Romero film and both of us are huge, just like Romero fans. So it's kind of like a purist thing. You yeah, gotta, you're well, biased. You gotta own all of it. You're yeah, I'll, I'll, admit, I'll admit the bias. I'll admit to yeah. some bias, but I'm not, I'm not like never such a fan of somebody that I can't admit they made a poor film. And I don't think this is a poor film, but I do think it's one of my least favorite of it's his. not like, a bad film but it's not a rememberable film it's very much like every other tv movie of the same like i think trying to be stephen king. this feels like a movie that's trying to be stephen king but i think context like is said, a big thing and, and and i know that sucks because uh, everyone's got a different context of when they first like see something or when they but like the context of when this came out joe brought this up earlier it just compared to a lot of the other stuff that was stephen king's stuff that was coming out this is a highly competent watchable movie compared to a lot of the other junk that was coming out so when i first saw this this seemed very good you know like it and but revisiting revisiting be... it now <laughs> i i still think it's pretty good I don't think it's a super like Romero movie. I can tell the script is his because of the, the kind of the way he addresses some of the issues and um, that he's very serious. And I don't know. Maybe you'll disagree with me, Ryan. I think he's fairly serious about this, like mental, um, the way that he deals with split personalities or that it's a mental disorder, um, leaving some ambiguity to the supernatural element of it um gives it some like real world plausibility maybe something along those lines i think i okay so that being said i would say it's there i would acknowledge it but i wouldn't say just because it's there that it's good or bad it's just there but not strong and i think it could have been done better i think it should have been more like let's be i'll be honest with you guys the main character the majority of him in this movie is no i got an alibi oh my god this person's dead that's the majority of the fucking movie it's not really him struggling until the final move the final act where you see him like being like competent like showing yeah. this like level of like me and him are the same we can do this like i, I can do i do this admit that the, like, the second act the middle of the film could have played up the cat and mouse thing a little bit more made added a little more suspense well that's what i mean it could have added more to this like you you they show it in the final act that this character has this and i'm like why isn't that there earlier like show this this struggle of trying to figure this out i think throwing in an element of even him questioning his own sanity is like am i doing this like something something could have been more could have been well better. i mean could have been the, more this, emotional and dramatic the book is not considered one of stephen king's best uh, no not by so they made a movie out of it. Well, I think they did. <laughs> they were adapting they everything. The they were adapting I think everything, of, yeah. and it was one of the it's newer ones that he had come Probably one of the reasons it went to Romero, because he was I, a name to put on it, too. I, I think so. And I think, I, you know, and in, in its That's what it feels in like, its defense, though, It does feel like that. In its defense, I could see George Romero reading this, and I think that the concept, if you, if you distill down the story, and again, I haven't read the book, but if you distill down the story, to its basic elements to like the the synopsis it's a cool concept you know of your alter ego manifesting right that's kind yeah. of a cool concept Claiming a life of its own yeah and, it really is and, and that's, i that's think I, mean. yeah. I think what probably happened is romero was probably like yeah i really like the concept i can do a good movie out of this i'm sure he was approached by a studio because they're like stephen king and george romero in the early 90s let's do this and I can see how this got greenlit. Let's put it that way. 
unfortunately was this a theatric release oh was yeah this an actual like oh yeah yeah oh. yeah yeah i did not get that from this yeah yeah it was a it was a actually i remember it being marketed yeah i really? think i remember this coming out on video yeah. at least and i, I remember seeing it though. right about the time it came out on video i didn't i didn't wait long on this one because i was seeing the previews and everything and yeah it was stephen king and george romero right so it worked on me uh, i was just too young to go see it in theaters but or i was too busy watching jurassic park a million times in theaters in 1993 <laughs> yeah, right. but yeah. i think th- this one you know it, it did have its uh, its attention to it but you know it's this is a perfect thing for the for the podcast right because here's a film that it, is. it was marketed strong um and it didn't do that great but then again it's based on a book that didn't do that great it was one of those things probably everybody loved it when it first came out because it was stephen king but then the more it, you think about that's it that's what it feels you know. like though but it's it's it unfortunate I, like those movies it does. where like someone's desperate to like hey we got another stephen king book and it does feel like that like it feels like a movie that's trying to like, well i mean go on the coattails of like it miniseries the, the guy at that time, the guy churns or... out books left and right and just like i said about you know hitchcock in our last episode they can't all be winners and yeah. no you're you know, right and i think right. he i mean there's they're now adapting a movie or a series of stephen king's more recent book the outsider which involves a strong plot about a guy who's being accused of murder and he's got a very strong alibi yet like his fingerprints are at the crime scene yet he has there's video of him being across the country when the murders are happening so how does this happen okay well now i've kind of been there before right um you know not not every one of his stories is that great and to be fair not every one of them most of them don't make good movies I think we've seen that. With yeah, there's a been trouble with adapting his work to film, for which sure. is right because, and I think that's something about Stephen King. When he's good, he's great. Otherwise, I think except he... for with Maximum Overdrive. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> I love that. movie. <laughs> that movie is so laughably bad. It, it's fun. And oh, it's, it's fun fantastically it bad. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's definitely it's like yeah. I feel like this guy's on coke. But you know, I think I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I think one of the cool things, one of the interesting things about Stephen King is that even his not so good books are good concepts are good stories like there's right. the kernel some solid so ideas comes, behind there's it. solid ideas it's just maybe the way that it ends up being fleshed out doesn't work but well, he's the modern he's the modern day lovecraft in that like he has great concepts but not everything you know yeah always yeah. maybe pans out well in other you know, mediums like I'm, or I'm, even in its own medium. i just recently as i've mentioned on the podcast before i like all i listen to for audiobooks which is like every day i'm listening to something of an audiobook it's mostly stephen king and i just finished um <clears throat> dr sleep and i haven't seen the movie yet but mm-hmm. it and i liked the book but it it kind of had the same thing a lot of his books have and this is a joke that of course stephen king fans have all noticed like his he always kind of loses it at the ending yeah the ending is always kind of like okay well that's how it ended i guess all right yeah um and i just started the dark tower like jj abrams worked their way worked their way through something like under the dome man if you're at under the dome man gosh yeah right i mean i so here here's where we're at here's where we're at um and you're right, Joe. Yeah, we should probably like, you know, it's a cool con it's a great concept. Uh, and it doesn't always work out. And like but that's the problem here. Is it's like, yeah, this was a really cool concept. That's why I feel so passionate about it. It's like, wow, this is this surprised me in being a really cool concept and I'm angry that it wasn't done well. Like right. how like it's just that. You can't rely on the concept alone to make something a book or movie otherwise good and it's not and that's what sucks it's just like wow this is a cool concept and the the medium that it's in sucks like this is bullshit well my my hope is that somebody's gonna remake this because they're remaking stephen king things now and they usually take a lot of liberties nowadays when they do it and so maybe somebody will take this basic kernel of an idea and they can say based on the book by Stephen King and they can really make it into something really, really cool because I think the foundations are there for this one. So I, think so. I, actually, I, I think guess this is a... You know what? I think it would be better as a miniseries. An oh, actual probably. like series where you can really build up the drama yeah. of it. 
that maybe sound difficult because it's like, oh, I don't see it being a, I, I honestly don't see it being like a 10 episode fucking you thing. You could spend some time maybe. watching George, George Stark come to life, like the original book starting. Like, yeah. I, I think you could do right. some stuff with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, show this struggle. Yeah. Like, show this questionable. Like, th- that's what I mean. Like, this thing has its potentials. This movie wasn't one of them. Well, if we're going to um, grade this one, which we will, which we will, I guess, Eric, <laughs> let's start with you. What would you give this one if, it was a, if you had to grade it? Which um, you do. <laughs> yes. I, I think it's a solid movie. You it's it's it, yes. a George Romero trying to differentiate or trying to like do something a little different i i think he's really and maybe what ryan's kind of picking up on is he's really pushing hard to try and do something outside of what he's expected to do right so he's trying to make like a serious psychological thriller and not like a you know blood and guts horror which which you know if i would argue he never really made a just blood and guts movie there was always a lot of good stuff going on but um Anyway, yeah, trying to differentiate himself from what his expectations, people's expectations of him. Um, I think it was good. Timothy Hutton's performance was good. The script is not 100% solid the whole way through. Like, it, it could... I feel like there's a, some wasted potential in the second act. The third act knocks it out of the park, uh, but there's too much, you know, kind of wasted time in the second. It's it's not going to hit an A for me. It's like a B-. minus. I think I would go with. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. What about I you, Ryan? <laughs> um. I'm. You know, and that's the thing. Like, I going off of what Eric says. Like, I feel like Romero is trying to do something different, and you know, I don't. But that's the thing. Maybe he's trying to do something so different that, like I said, I didn't even know he was in this movie. I didn't even know Stephen King was part of this movie or story, I should say. I didn't get any of that in these. Like, it was too different. And the parts that were strong were clearly, you know, the the body horror stuff were Romero. Like, those were the most interesting parts. I think, it, I don't, it, maybe it was his intention of trying to, really trying to, like, try something new. I don't know. It didn't work. And that's the thing. Sometimes you try things, and sometimes they succeed. Sometimes they don't. I don't think this thing did, and it should have. On both parties' accounts, I give it an I give it a C minus. I have to. I think it's worth. If you're interested in this stuff, I think it's actually worth seeing. Especially if anything, seeing the third scene, I think. Um, but other than that, it it is kind of a bore fest. It's not as interesting as it should have been. C minus. C minus. Where are you, Joe? I would say um, I, I'm actually going to give this one a C plus uh, because I do recognize it has some some flaws in it. And while I can easily you know just sit back and be like, oh well, you know, a lot of the movies in the '90s have the same flaws. They're still flaws. They're still yeah narrative problems and pacing problems. And I'm not saying this has all of those and that they're really really bad. But this is the the what would keep me from calling this a perfect film was kind of a death of a thousand cuts. There's enough little issues here and there. Um, but overall, I really like it. So, I mean, this, I guess I should really be more detailed and say this is more like a C plus B minus for me. It's kind of on that cusp because this is one that I, I had no hesitation and no reservations about revisiting. Um, it was one that when I found it in the $5 bin, I was like, yeah, I want to own dark half. Uh, because it's a Stephen King movie and because it's a George Romero movie and that's cool. Um, and I do think it has that kernel of a really cool story about the manifestation of a, a dark split personality or a dark alter ego. Um, and I, I just, I think that's a cool idea, but yeah, I think it could have been done, um, a bit better. I want to be, I don't know. I go back and forth on this. I I don't feel like just because something's based on a book that you should have to read the book to enjoy or judge the film because a film is its own thing just because it's based on source material. I've read books that I didn't care for and saw the movies and was like, that was much better. So some things work better in one medium than another. Um, You know what? I would say, I would actually say that they, people should actually just watch uh, Buckaroo Banzai in the ninth, uh, in the ninth dimension. <laughs> yeah. Because it is John Lithgow, and John Lithgow is a treasure. Because so. of John Lithgow, but, that's that's my. It's got, there's a million reasons day. to watch Buckaroo Banzai, so we'll just. So I would say what's kind of interesting. Off all all, of that. You know, all all three of our reviews here are kind of you know hovering around this middle section, but they're not 
they're not at the same place, but it's like there's definitely a, a span here. None of us are saying it's shit. None of us are saying it's great. It's all kind of in this middle ground, and it, it teeters yeah. on either side of the midpoint. But, um, but yeah, so you know, that's that's the dark half, right? I, I think. It's, and Michael Rooker plays a good guy. And Michael is, Rooker plays a good get, guy. We never really so covered, weird. but yeah, that's it's, crazy, right? And it's really quite believable. Like, yeah, and, and I've, I've yeah, he, he a, does a good, good actor. In this. <laughs> and I actually, I've, I've heard people I mean, talk to people that have met him before, and they're like, he's super nice, very down to earth. So I was like, okay, he can play a nice guy. He can be a nice guy. He just doesn't do he it. He was very movies. much the straight man in this movie, and he did a good job of it. He did. Yep. He did. And he has hair. Yeah, yeah that's it's too. so weird to see that. I'm, it, he has I'm, I'm very just, curly locks. Right. It's it's hard to imagine that yeah. nowadays, but there it is. So, Well, we would love to know what anybody else's thoughts are on the dark half or other George Romero and Stephen King collaborations. Feel free to get a hold of us. You can email us at videojunkerpodcast at gmail.com find us on facebook at video junker podcast our facebook page or the actual facebook group or you can send us a tweet at video junk pod which is our twitter handle we would love to hear from you with any questions comments criticisms or witticisms that you might have if you write it we'll read it and do so happily Coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we have um, lots of exciting stuff throughout the end of the year. Uh, we're going to welcome friend and uh, fellow podcaster Nate Valker to the program to talk about the animated uh, 80s film Flight of the Dragons. And um, Am very... I going to get kicked off with this one, too, for the guests? No, no. Gonna... If you want to watch Flight okay. of the Dragons, you're welcome to join us. I, I can't make promises. <laughs> I'll, I'll rip it for no, you. No, I'm sorry. I just want to make that joke. <laughs> no. I wasn't. I wasn't in your guys's like last few uh, episodes with the with the guests. I never got to talk to the guest, so yeah. no, it's no. okay. I'm just new. I think we scheduled it before. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Yes, please. No, it was please join us thing, for Flight of the Dragons. The... And uh, yeah, no, we have an extra special live, uh, well, live recording, live watch Christmas special coming up too. So. Um, yeah, I'm not I mean, even going to go on to the rest of the stuff. It. It's on the other episodes. Yeah. You've heard it. You know it. Um, please tune in and uh, check out all the exciting stuff coming up on the Video Junker Podcast. That's right. So, again, feel free to drop us a line. Keep tuning in. Keep downloading. Keep sharing around. And we want to thank everybody for listening uh, to the Video Junker Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. I'm Ryan Steiskel. Have, Have a good, good night. evening. Night. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. <laughs>